Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. All right, welcome to the Ohioan, and I'm Chris. I got Craig. Craig, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Chris? I, I'm good. I'm good. We're trying to make a go of it this morning, and I got to tell you, I am good personally, but I, I got to tell you, I've been frustrated, Craig. We've been uh, talking uh, over the weekend. It's been a crazy time for America recently, and I can't put point really put my finger on what's going on. Um, shootings have become a major issue, and they've been an issue in the past, but man, I mean, between police-involved shootings and some mass shootings recently, I mean, it's hard to keep track. I mean, it used to be there was one that we would be upset about, <clears throat> get worried about, you know, demand some type of action and be done with it. Man, Craig, it's like, what, five or six right now that you know, you've got one in Wisconsin. There was one in Austin, Texas over the weekend. I'm mean, even here in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, we had a shooting that killed one and wounded five. And, you know, we could talk a little bit about the shootings. But, I, I mean, Craig, overall, I mean, we've talked about, you know, guns and other stuff. I, what's What do you think is happening? I mean, this is kind of worse than it usually is. Yeah, it's hard to say what's what's the cause for all this. I mean, obviously, unfortunately, we've sort of become numb to these these types of incidents because we've had so many of them over the years. But, you know, you don't know if this is in response to politics or if it's in response to, you know, maybe just COVID, you know, COVID frustration and fatigue. I have no idea. I mean, you know, we it seems like every day you wake up, you expect to hear about another shooting. That's how frequent these things are becoming and you just you just sort of wonder what the what the deal is why is this happening so frequently and even more frequently than ever it seems like well in a couple of instances too and you know hey um family's going for just a health situation um we're okay just yeah exterior family and you know life's precious you you never know i Mm. mean i have a family member that's struggling right now that you know, I went to see them two, three weeks ago. They're okay. Now they're in the hospital. Um, you look at this Columbus situation. Um, one passed, like five were hurt. Uh, apparently, she was driving to pick up her daughter on a Saturday night. Um, typical normal activity. It wasn't like she was a gang member or anything else like that. And she's driving by a, um, a Dollar General. And there was a vigil there to remember the life of another person killed by shooting a year ago. And it was a awful wrong place, wrong time thing where, you know, she's driving by, must have been an Arab bullet. Um, and, you know, hair in the head, she's dead. And it's just, and, and, you know, just actually a good job of coverage, you know, some talk with her fiance. Obviously, he's distraught. Uh, it's tough. Uh, I tell you, Craig, it hit home even more for me. I mean, not just the fact that it happened in my city. Uh, I I don't live near there, but probably not too far away. But in Canton over the weekend, um, there was a Bob Evans where it was a domestic dispute. A uh, guy came in, uh, shot and killed a waitress. And this is during service. I mean, he kind of got in the back. He shot her. In a back hallway, so it wasn't like while well, she was taking an order or something. But still, there was like twenty people in the restaurant. They didn't know what was going on. They were frightened. I mean, just think, Craig, you go to the restaurant, you're not expecting to see shots ring out. Right. And 
I've personally been to that Bob Evans. I mean, usually when I went up to visit my parents, you know, our place to eat when we were hanging out was to go to that Bob Evans. So I know that restaurant. I know how that looks like and everything. Uh, you know, that that was tough. Um, you know, around your neck of the woods, um, there was a person shot at a Cedar Point Sports Complex. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I here's what I'm thinking, Craig. And, you know, over the history of the show, even before you came aboard, we, we've talked about shootings. And, you know, we're apolitical. We're not going to sit here and put on Republican or Democratic hats. What frustrates me, Craig, is these things happen. Um, you know, President Biden over, uh, in the past few days has said, hey, you know, this is embarrassment. We, we got to stop this. And, you know, he's exactly right. I'm not questioning President Biden at all. But what frustrates me is we talk and talk and talk and talk in Washington. Um, you know, our politicians, they point the fingers at each other. It seems like there's more, if you're a Republican, blame Democrat. If you're a Democrat, blame Republican. And in the long term, things just don't happen. And honestly, Craig, I don't want to turn the show into a gun control debate because I don't even know if, if gun control is the wisest thing. I don't like guns myself, but I'm not sure if, you know, a gun control restriction is the answer. I, I think we, we've got an issue with our country. Um, you know, Indianapolis. I mean, it's ridiculous, Craig, how we're sitting here going city from city going, oh, yeah, the, the shooting that happened over the past week in Indianapolis or whatever. It's just nuts. But mental health seems to be playing a big yeah. key role into that. And I guess my question I have, and, you know, we're trying to have fun here. We're going to try to have fun over the last couple of segments we're doing today. But I'm wondering, can we just do something? And if you're, you know, supportive of gun rights, fine. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. But if you're supportive of that, I mean, can we make a bigger penalty if you do something like this? Uh, if you kill yourself, is there a penalty toward your family? Is there something? I, I mean, we need to do something that's going to give people some type of pause before they go out and do action like this. Because I'll be honest, I'll be blunt. And honestly, no one should commit suicide. It, it's awful. There's suicide hotlines. Please call. But right now, if, if you're saying, hey, I want to end it all, and I'll take some people with me, there's no stop to it. Yeah, it, it, it impacts the rest of society much. But what happens to the person who does that? I mean, they're, they're dead, but... They probably wouldn't have died anyway. I I know, Craig. I, I hate to bring this down because uh, we're taping this on Monday, and we should be happy. I should be teasing you and everything. But it's just it's frustrating to see that nothing's happening. Instead of, like, once or twice a month, now we got, like, six in the past week, which is just nuts. Yeah, I mean, you just wonder if there's an end in sight. You wonder if there's an answer for any of this. Um, you know, we, we've always kind of harp on gun control. We always kind of, you know, sort of try to make sure that, you know, we're as safe as possible while still allowing for Second Amendment rights, which I'm all for. But at some point, you've got to wonder, you know, what's going to prevent violence? Is it going to be, you know, gun control? Is it going to be mental health issue? You know, you know, mental health awareness? Obviously, we're, we're coming off of probably the, you know, one of the, the worst mental health causing issues ever in COVID where everybody had to stay inside yeah. and people were more depressed. People lost their jobs and things like that. And, you know, there, you know, there reaches a bowling point on that kettle, so to speak. And, and COVID certainly did not help. Now I'm not saying that these shootings are COVID related by any means, but you just never know what that breaking point for someone may be. And maybe COVID kind of helped that, I guess you could say. Um, you know, obviously, we talk about gun control. We've talked about, you know, even the governor, Mike DeWine, talked about gun control quite a bit last year as he had to continue to, you know, publicize, you know, information about shootings that were going on across the state of Ohio. And it certainly has not slowed down after what we've just seen here over the weekend. Um, you know, it, it's weird because, um, you know, after the shooting in Sandusky, um, you know, we live about 13 minutes away, about five miles away from from that location and you know my mom and my dad had texted me and you know asked if we were okay and everything and i'm like yeah it's 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 on the other side of town we're not even close to it well we're literally like five miles away from it 
and I, I guess that's sort of the rationalization you give to yourself is that, oh, that's not even near me, even though it is in my home. It's, it's in my home city where I live. And it's not really that far away if you take a little bit of a drive. It's, you know, city street driving and stuff like that it takes 13 minutes. But, you know, I can't remember the last time I've gone out to the sports center area of, of town, though. It's been a while. But, you know, it's you get numb to these things. And I think that's your rationalization for it is, oh, well, it's not that far away. Or it happens all the time. Well, that shouldn't be. That shouldn't be the rationalization. You should be, you know, sort of frightened by it because you just never know when it's going to happen. You know, it gets to the point now where, you know, my wife and I struggle to want to go places because you just don't know, especially, you know, now that the shooting has come into our city, even though it's a Euclid man that was arrested and everything, and it, it may not be such a local issue, but it happened in our local area. So it's kind of a scary situation and makes you wonder, you know, where it could happen next. And, you know, would you want to be there? Would you want to get out? You know, do you want to risk being there by going out and about? And that's sort of the issue that we're facing. Well, and my hope is in the world of the media, I mean, we have to cover that. Um, I, I was off Saturday night when the shooting in Columbus happened. And we've talked as a company, and we'll, we'll share when we hear more. Honestly, it's the talks aren't that far along. So I don't want to share something that, that, you know, Craig and I, we don't know enough about ourselves. But there's been talk of how, how do you come to a community more responsibly where you're not harping on, you know, the crime and harping on, you know, showing mug shots and everything. You know, how, how do you cover differently? And we'll share more because I think it's an interesting issue. But we have to cover this shootings, and we can't just pretend it didn't happen. I mean, right. uh, Craig and I talked before the podcast. I mean, it wasn't just a local issue. It was a state issue. A sister, our sister paper in Cincinnati covered it as well. Um, so we need to cover it. My, my hope, though, is, you know, Right now, I mean, good night. Uh, Craig, last night when I was trying to pick out a topic for the show, uh, uh, USA Today, we have these rankings of what stories people are looking at. And I was looking at yesterday, and it it depressed me. I mean, a lot of the top 20 stories, shootings. I mean, that was uh, either shootings or the aftermath or everything else. It's just tough. And, again, hate to bring everybody down. I don't want to get to the point where you're just yelling about gun stuff every day. Uh, but but something has to be done. And no matter what you're thinking, and again, if you're all worried about guns, then what's another idea from a mental health standpoint to a, you know, how do we penalize a shooter or something else? Because no matter what you think politically, the status quo isn't working. I mean, you can't, right. we can't just sit and say, oh, well, it happens. Um, uh, and I don't want to equate um, gun rights with Christianity because it's not equal. I mean, some Christians like gun rights, but you know, we don't. When we go to church and read the Bible, gun rights aren't in the Bible, so right. it's not equal. But you know, I have one Christian friend who was in favor of gun rights say, "Well, it's a sin problem." Okay, yeah, it is a sin problem. But if it's something that we can help legislate, we can't just let go. We can't just say, oh, it's the same problem. God will take care of it. Right. Well, something we can do. Uh, sex crimes. Okay, that is a sin problem. But we don't just sit there and say, oh, well, you know, it's just sin. No, we prosecute people who are involved. We stop it. You know, it's horrible. You know, so <laughs> I don't know, Craig. I mean, yeah. we get into the segment. We're going to beat this to death over a. Uh, um, hour, but hey, I'll be honest. Uh, my challenge is let's do something about it. Even in Ohio, I mean, the stand your ground. You know, the awful shooting happened in Dayton, uh, and Dwine was bothered by it, and he got some pressure. And you know, the law that ended up enacted wasn't as strong, and people have said that. Um, you know, we, we got to do something. And, and the problem is politically now these days, if you Meet in the middle, no one supports you. You, you know, you lose funding and everything else. Right. What's it going to take for someone to say, you know, if I would get elected next time, I don't get elected next time. But I, I, I got to make a stand here. I got to make a stand now. This is just ridiculous. And again, I'm not saying go to the Democratic side or go to the Republican side. I'm just saying after last week, man, if I was a legislator, I'd be running the Washington Party. 
guys, can we do something? You know, again, I don't know what that something is. I'm not going to argue about that something, but to do nothing is just not helping. So. No. All right. Well, um, you know, thanks for checking out the Ohio win. Um, you know, check our sponsors. Uh, check out Hope Interrupted. Uh, very good podcast. And, Craig, I'll be honest, I haven't got to check out yet. Uh, they have podcasts of a couple of journalist friends from Minnesota. Um, Derek Chauvin, we haven't talked about that much because it hasn't directly impacted Ohio yet. But uh, it's possible that this week there's going to be a verdict. And it's going to be pretty um, – boy, it's – Going to be notable, and it's probably going to impact Ohio. And I bet we'll be talking about it no matter what happens. So I don't know if y'all, I don't know if you saw, but they had, that almost ended in a mistrial. It was like it yeah. could have ended in a mistrial last week. It was like touch and go. I, w- I was watching that live as it happened, and I'm like, whoa! I mean, they yeah. could have asked for a mistrial, and honestly, it could have been granted. Yeah, it, it, it w- and uh, to pull back the curtain a little bit here. Um, we're taping these probably a day or two earlier than we have in the past. So um, once the verdict gets announced, believe me, there will be discussion because I think there's going to be impact on potential protests and just, just we need to come to a healing with this country. And if you're listening to this before the verdict, I don't know what you think about this case, but don't celebrate whatever too hard. Because there's a lot of hurt people out there, and uh, you know it, it's tough. We'll, we'll talk about that mo- a lot more once the verdict gets released. But yeah, boy, R- tough week. I'm okay, but I'm not sure if America's okay today. And that's uh, it's tough. All right, we'll be back with Ohio and check our sponsors, and we'll be back shortly for another segment. Have a good one. All right, welcome back to the Ohioan. Um, nice to have Tyler Buchanan from the Ohio Capital <laughs> Journal back. Uh, Tyler, how's it going? Hey, doing good. Let's uh, have this be the start of a good week. Let's do this. Yeah, it, it's already a pretty newsy week, I'll tell you. And it's uh, we're taping this at 9 a.m. on Monday. Um, and bear with me for the audience. I have an eight-year-old home, and she wants to be my co-host. If you heard the background, that's the background noise is. Uh, but first of all, I liked um, you were covering the sports gambling issue, which is important in Ohio. I think we're going to get there eventually. I mean, there's a lot of movement toward that um, side. What are you seeing? I mean, do you think it's inevitable, or do you think it still has a ways of going before it's legalized here in Ohio? So. Yeah, from from just the way that from the way that we're hearing about this, it, it, it this feels like an inevitability in terms of legalizing sports gambling. It just seems like the big thing to hash out is exactly how this program is going to work, and you know where the money's going to go and how you're going to be able to place a bet. So a lot of the particulars are still to be hashed out, but just in terms of does it look like it's going to be eventually legalized in Ohio? I think it's, I think it's a, it's a foregone conclusion. You're seeing it all across the country. It's, it's spreading everywhere because um, states are realizing that, you know, people are going to gamble on sports. It's just whether or not they're going to gamble on some kind of black market or online or some kind of shady thing, or honestly just between like friends at the bar or something. And states realize, well, if we get in on this, you know, we can get a part of the cut here. So it's it seems like a foregone conclusion. It's just how it's going to happen is really the question mark right now. Yeah, and I mean, we've talked a lot about, you know, obviously Ohio, like every other state, is in trouble with COVID. You know, the economy needs to get going again. Uh, do you think this could be a driver enough? I mean, it may not solve all of Ohio's economic problems. But, you know, if it's money that's out there, I guess the thought is, why don't we just go get it other than letting it go away? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know what the exact dollar amount that we're talking about in terms of of how much bets, how many bets would be, uh, you know, placed. If it were legalized today, how much in the next calendar year would be bet? I, I don't have that number. I don't think anybody knows that number. But it's a lot. And I think when you're talking about, and, and we can get into this, you know, when Ohio's casinos were were made legal um, almost about a decade from now, I can't believe it's been this long. But when it was yeah. made, when it was made legal um, in the in the ballot initiative that people voted for, 
it was only placed in those select cities, the Columbus, Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Toledo. You're now talking about with sports betting. This is something that you may or may not. I mean, there's going to be some online components here. So you could probably just bet in, you know, the comfort of your own basement or your, or, you know, at the bar, you can just place a bet on your phone versus having to go drive to a casino and, and, you know, wager or play whatever slots or do whatever you're going to do there. So it's in terms of how much this is going to bring in. I mean, if, if we're talking, it's basically becomes a casino and everybody's smartphone. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be huge. And in terms of an economic driver, I mean, that's everyone seems to clearly understand this is a lot of money we're talking about, which is why um, you have so many people on different sides of the interests here. We can get into what those are of people have a lot of interest in how this plan is going to is is going to take shape and where that money is going to go because everybody knows it's going to be a lot and everybody wants that slice of the pie the state included the the government included so has there been a lot of opposition i know like uh, 10 years ago to casinos obviously there's a movement saying hey gambling's wrong we shouldn't have gambling. I haven't seen as much yet, but maybe I'm, I'm not looking the right places. Yeah. So, so, so for people's understanding, there's been, it's, I think it's over now, but for the first about two, three months of this year, they had in the, in the Ohio uh, general assembly, the state legislature, they had a, what's called a select committee on gaming, which was about seven or eight, you know, state senators, both Democrats and Republicans, and they basically met once a week and people that were casino interests and, you know, the state and all these people came in to to testify and and basically pitch ideas, honestly, um, just say, hey, here's here's some ideas on, on this or that. And so if you're going to legalize it, here's here's how you can do it. Um, I didn't I didn't listen to every single meeting they did. They probably did about 10 or so of them. I don't remember there being a lot of opposition because, again, th- this is something that um, uh, sports gambling was made legal through a, a Supreme Court decision about three or four years ago. And in that three years time, t- like 25 states have legalized it. So this is a runaway freight train in terms of the momentum on this. So I don't think anybody I, I don't think anybody with legi- I'll, I'll say I don't want to say legitimate anybody with um significant level of power to stop this is going to stop it. The question is, is I think there are people with concerns about how, again, how to manifest this, how to, how to put it into place. Uh, yeah. Well, like you said, which pockets to put the money in, like what part of yeah. the budget does it go to and everything else. And I think too, you know, good night. Bally's bought the naming rights for the big sports, local sports networks across Ohio. See, You've got that at play. Um, ESPN, they dedicated an NBA broadcast last week strictly yeah. to gambling. So, I mean, the shoot, you know, the barn's out, the, the horse is out the barn door. I mean, it's down there and everything. Yeah. So, so, so to briefly get into it, just so people could kind of yeah. know the language and know what's coming, or I should say, know the debate that's coming. So, again, you think, you think back to the casinos, and the casinos are really. It, it, it really illustrates the question here. When we legalized casinos, we didn't legalize the concept of casinos. And therefore, anybody that was, you know, wanted to build a casino could build one. No, it was we're going to legalize casinos and these casinos, the one in Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati, Toledo. That's it. There is no I mean, there are racinos. There are some other things like right. that. There is no I cannot go build if I'm a billionaire business developer or whatever. I can't go build a casino Ohio. That's not how it works. It is specific to those locations, which they thought of it as a compromise at the time. They thought we're going to legalize casinos in Ohio, but for people that are concerned about, we don't want there to be gambling everywhere. You know, we're going to have it in very select pockets of the state and it's, and it's all this stuff, right? You're going to have to go to these little specific spots. Um, the, the casino revenue goes to a, a specific place. Um, it's built into when we passed that initiative, all the profits, it's a combination of 
it's a combination of uh, like county governments, the local governments where the casinos are built, and some of it goes to education. Contrast that with the Ohio lottery today. The Ohio lottery, every dime of profit goes to education, period. There's that, it is not complicated. Every single time goes to education. If you've bought a scratch off ticket and you look at the little, uh, the logo or slogan on it, it says, take a chance on education. Cause everybody knows that the Ohio lottery goes to education. So, and some of the casino revenue does, but not comparatively, not as nearly as much. So these are the two camps is if we're going to allow sports gambling in Ohio, Who's going to regulate it? Is it going to be the, the Casino Control Commission that, that regulates gambling at casinos? Is it going to be the Ohio Lottery Commission that regulates lottery sales in the state? And whether it's one of those two things very drastically changes where the revenue goes. Because it's either going to go in the casino side to county government, city governments, and some education, or it's going to be the lottery side, which is all education. As you can imagine, the people that are education interests in the state are oh, like, yeah. they're like lottery, lottery, lottery. Um, so, so that there's the money interest there on the, on not even just the regulation side, on just the who can have it side. As you can imagine, the casino interests are like crossing their hopes and praying that they make this a casino thing only that you can only place a bet either at a casino, you know, retail, like you walk into a casino and there will be like a cashier. That's the sports gambling. one. And if you've been to Vegas, if you've been to bigger casinos, the, those places have that um, or some kind of online app, which is developed and, you know, put out by the casinos. Um, so that's the one side the, the casino side, they want to do it all themselves obviously, because they want all they want all the revenue for themselves and then they share the rest, you know, to the, to the public, as I said. Um, so the, the opposite side of that is local businesses really want in on this. So if you if you can picture anybody that's been to any kind of like sports bar or um, I'm trying to think of like, like a Roosters or something like that or or a, or a bowling alley and you've seen you've seen those big red lottery kiosks you know what I'm talking about where you can like yeah. buy a kilo ticket and you can buy yeah. a lottery yeah. ticket so what these places want is something like that with sports gambling so either a different kiosk or reconfigure that kiosk or even like you know picture like I know Kroger, my local Kroger has one of those machines. So imagine going to Kroger and like buying a, buying a like pick five ticket. And then, and then, Hmm, I want to put five bucks in the Indians game tonight. That's what those people want. Now, now imagine the benefit that a sports bar or a bowling alley or a, you know, maybe not a Kroger, but, but something like that, of bringing people in where they can bet on games and they're sitting there and they're watching the game and they're buying some more beer and they're playing more, they're, uh, you know, bowling games and all these things. That's the vision that they have is to have it under the lottery, have it built into the current lottery system, which is everywhere. I mean, every gas station, every, like I said, sports bar, every bowling alley, every little, these little retailer things. And these people make the case that, like, look, we don't, we shouldn't give this as a monopoly to the casinos. We should make this an opportunity for Ohioans everywhere. So you don't have to drive to a Columbus casino to go place a bet. You don't have to go very far. You can go to, you can support your local bowling alley and then play a ten dollar bet on the Reds game. Um, so those are the two. Those are the two camps right now, there, and there's really two different fights going on. Again, to summarize, there's the, there's the fight over who's going to regulate it and where the money's going to go, and then there's the fight of just like where can you actually place a bet. Um, and the casinos understandably want it all for themselves. The 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 other side wants it wants it everywhere, and, and they say they can have it in casinos too. They just they want the option to if you go to a bowling alley, you can place a bet at the bowling alley. Um, well, how much does it change if you go on your phone? Because, you know, like Bally's, you know, there's some question about could you watch the games online? Well, Bally says, hey, you can watch games on our Bally's casino app. You can watch the game on the app, and you could also probably to put bets on the on the app too. And you'll probably hear a lot yeah. of um, 
you know, discussion of that during the broadcast itself. I mean, it's interesting to see all that can happen there. Yeah, and, and they're already estimating that like nine, if they legalize it, like ninety percent of bets are going to be on your phone. Um, yeah, are, are going to be are going to be placed through phone, and the rest would be placed in some kind of brick and mortar retail establishment like this. I think it's yeah, it, and again, in the argument like you're saying, it's like okay, even if it's the casino thing, can't somebody at the bowling alley just place a bet on their phone and it be basically the same thing? And it's true. I think the idea, I think the idea from the bowling alley is. <laughs> is they want butts in their seats. They want somebody that's going to get out of their house, go to the bowling alley. It, it, and you can still do that. I just think it's like a driver of traffic for their, for their, for their businesses. So you yeah, can, you, can really, yeah. you can really see their argument. Um, and, oh, yeah. and, and the casinos, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about this as this gets closer and we can get into the more granular details, but the casinos make the case like, look, we're professional outfits because these are big these are big chains you know these are not like some guy that runs the casino in ohio and that's the only one he runs these are these are owned and operated by you know international corporations corporations you've probably heard of caesar's entertainment that's a really famous one um so these are places that say like look we have we have experience running sports books in other states let's do it in ohio uh, we we have the security features. We can make sure that kids under eighteen are not gambling. We can make sure people aren't laundering money through this. We have we have you know big security features that a bowling alley is not going to have. And so you hear those arguments, and you're like, oh, it makes some sense. And then you hear the bowling alley people talk and sit and make the case for themselves and why the casinos shouldn't have a monopoly. And you're like, oh, they make a good case. So it's, it is really interesting. Lawmakers are really caught in the middle here. Um, so to kind of conclude this, you know, we're sh- we should see a bill sooner than later, a, a draft of how to implement this in Ohio. And I would imagine this is something that we're going to debate publicly, uh, that, that lawmakers are going to debate publicly in the, the, the business interests and the casino interests in the state. The state obviously has a huge interest in this because of where the, where the tax revenue is going to go. So, um There'll be some time to hash this out. I, I, I don't know. I could be wrong about this, but I don't think this is going to be something where it's like introduced tomorrow and then like rushed through in a week. This seems like something that is going to take some time to, to really hash out. And I think, too, and this really is a discussion for us because we're talking more from the government standpoint, but sports will have a challenge, too, in just regulating how they handle it. If you think, you know, 30 years ago we had point shaving scandals and everything else, I think they'll try to regulate how information gets out, what's the best way of yes. contacting. Because that's another big, you know. Yeah, uh, there's, there's so many there's so many moving pieces here and so many elements, but you're right. The the data that gets used in some of these sports books is in some cases proprietary. Um, in that there are some sports books that are so developed and they're so complex that they have like teams of statisticians and sports experts and stuff that take in data and they, they do whatever they do with it to produce bets that are both competitive for the player and designed to make the sports bet sports book money. Um, there are, there are also, um, uh, uh, you know, connections. There, there are partnerships between the sports leagues and some of these sports books, as you said, and and I mentioned the I mentioned the select committee on gaming. They heard testimony from like every single sports team in Ohio. I mean, Blue Jackets, Reds, Indians, uh, you know, everybody was there to basically talk about it. Um, again, I didn't watch the full 30 minute testimony of all 12 of them, but I don't think anybody was there to talk against sports gambling. I think they were there to say this is something we want. Just do it do it right. So, yeah, because they want to do, I mean, sports gambling, sports gambling connects people to the leagues and has people interested. I mean, it's the same as fantasy football. NFL loves fantasy football. Why would they not? Is everybody obsessed about football? So gambling. So anyway, yeah, I think it's all the thing that makes sure they set up right because there's no problem about getting information. Jeez outlets we hire people to cover these teams i wonder what it's going to look like because what what's the stop values from contacting the probably the, the 24th member on the reds and say hey if i give you fifty thousand a year you know can you yeah. tell me if the star player is you know 
under the weather, if he had an argument with his wife the night before, you, you yeah. know, anything that would kind of get his game down. And that wouldn't necessarily be illegal, but it'd be interesting to see how sports regulates that. What's good, what's bad, and everything yeah. else. So I, so I would just I would just tell people to, to conclude is basically just like keep an eye out. You're going to see a lot of sports gambling talk in Ohio yeah. over the next weeks and months, and just under understand what those two camps are. Understand that there's the two sides on where the revenue is going to go and who's going to regulate it, and then there's the two sides of like just like literally like where can I as a consumer place a bet? It's yeah. it's almost surely going to be on your phone as an option. In terms of in public, you know, if I don't have it on my phone or I don't want to do it on my phone, is it just going to be the casinos or can I do it at the bowling alley? Can I do it at a Kroger? Um, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting little fight. It's gonna be an interesting little fight. And I will tell you, you know, they they've been debating this for a couple of years, believe it or not. This is not yeah. it's not a new conversation in Ohio. And my understanding from from the last legislative term was the two leaders couldn't agree on which uh, they were on opposite sides of his camp. One wanted it under the lottery. One wanted it under casino. And you can, like I said, you can make some good arguments in both directions. So you're, you'll hear them. Uh, if you're in Ohio and you'll, you'll hear them in the next couple of weeks and months, you can make your own decision and we'll go from there. Yeah. I, let's briefly mention this breaking news, literally a few minutes before we started. I'm uh, not surprising, but it's official now. Uh, Dayton Mayor Nan Whaley is running for governor. Um, she will, um, I think there's two candidates that not, aren't in the race yet, but since I made John Cranley, he hasn't officially thrown his hat in the ring, from, but from all indications, he's raising money. Um, doesn't seem like a surprise of Whaley. I, I think she might be a decent contender. Um, you know, I don't know how she would fare against Cranley, but I think Whaley's a name that's been in the mix for a long time. It'd be interesting how she does on against whoever she ends up going against. Yeah. Yeah. For, for people that have watched the show and have seen me on here a couple times, we've discussed this, you know, I, people that know, you know, my, my, my take on some of these things is that the Democrats have, you know, they, they have their work cut out for them in the next two years. That's no, that's no shock. There should be no shock to anybody, least bit Democrats. And, but if there was one, if there was one person, I think that they they thought for the statewide races that they thought was going to be a good contender, I think it was Nan Whaley. I mean, when you when you just when you talk to people publicly or privately and you just muse about some names, she's just she's the natural person that comes up. Um, she's been Dayton mayor for a number of years now. Um, she's somebody that has gained quite a bit of name recognition and respect for her handling of, you know, the multitude of crises that Dayton has unfortunately gone through. The tornado was one, the the mass shooting was another. Um, obviously COVID, she, she's been, you know, heavily involved in, in the response and relief there. Um, and she's somebody that I think Democrats feel is a is a, both a strong politician in terms of a, of a candidacy and a strong just uh, uh, person for the job. Um, I think she's she's respected in that route as somebody both that can hopefully uh, uh, compete and win a race and then and then do a good job when she's in there. Um, so. So, yeah, in terms of the in terms of, you know, the primary first, um, you know, we're looking at a primary in about a year from now. Um, there's going to be obviously even if she's the front runner and even if she joins the race and she's the first person in the race, and she's the front runner. It's the governor's primary. There's going to be you're going to see three, four, five other candidates, you know, whether they're top contenders or not. Um, Cranley seems to be one that, that wants to jump in there. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I think she's got a pretty legitimate chance again, being the, being the first horse out of the gate being, uh, you know, she, she's going to be the one that gets a lot of press right now. She's going to have a head start on fundraising, um, head start on organizing. I think she's probably the candidate to beat in terms of the Democratic primary. In terms of beating DeWine, that's a different story. Well, be an inter- interesting we'll match that as the time comes, but uh, yeah. it's 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 definitely it's definitely a challenge. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I mean, things are starting to fall in place. I mean, no official word from Tim Ryan. I'm starting to hear more that even though he hasn't said anything behind the scenes, there's some interest more of him 
going for Senate because, you know, knowing me acting, which was kind of a surprise. So, well, we'll keep on that. I know your time is short, but I just definitely want to mention that, especially since I was breaking right before our time today. So, uh, Tyler, um, OhioCapitalJournal.com, and how do we connect with you on Twitter? Yep, I'm on Twitter at uh, it's Tyler and then Joel, J-O-E-L-B. Tyler Joel B at, at a Twitter and again, OhioCapitalJournal.com covering everything with uh, Ohio politics, state legislature, apparently campaign season. It's never not campaign season here in yeah. Ohio. So we're back with, with the Nan Whaley news, I guess we're back into campaign mode. So yeah. yeah and great resource. And if you, if you want to know about state politics, you should always, but especially during this time, uh, yeah, the newsletter that comes out, I think it's six or seven each morning, uh, is a great resource for just getting your start. Like, uh, yes. <laughs> Very good. So, yeah, hey, well, always, always, always a pleasure. Thank you so much uh, for coming on. Yeah, check out Tyler's lots of fun tweets about the Columbus Police Department helicopter over the weekend. Oh, my. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's another story, but... Yeah, anyway. definitely. Well, hang on for a quick second afterwards. But everyone else, thanks again for checking out the Highland. Everyone, have a great day. All right, back here at the Ohio, and I actually have two guests with me. Uh, first of all, Max Philby from the Columbus Dispatch. And you'll know, here's my daughter in the background. We're audio podcast here. She's homesick from school today. So if you wonder what those sounds are in the back, it's from my daughter. But Max, how are you today? Good. How are you doing, Chris? Before I forget, congratulations, you have honor from Bowling Green State University. Tell me, what what did they honor you for? Yeah, no, thank you. Um, they give out, give out, a, give out a, out a national uh, award for achievement there every year. Um, and this year they picked me. I'm a graduate of BGSU, so um, there's okay. that obvious connection there. But uh, no, it was great. Uh, probably a lot for your COVID coverage, right? Because obviously you've you know, done a lot of COVID right. coverage this past year. Wow. Okay. Right. Yeah, I think that that's mostly what they noticed. Oh, very good. Very good. So, what did they do? Did they have like a ceremony? How they how they do that? Well, it was it was a Zoom ceremony this year. So yes, <laughs> it was that's, all that's uh, virtual, if you will. Okay. Well, hey, that's good. I mean, it would probably be more awkward if you're in with a bunch of people. You know, it's yeah, usually COVID report here for the dispatch. Well, hey, sure. we, love, we always love having you on. We had you on before. Uh, one story has sort of did really well online, and it's got me interested because next Monday I've got my uh, next COVID shot. Um, I got the Moderna, and you wrote a story. Uh, you talked to a high state doctor about tips. You know, how do you avoid some of these issues with um, side effects that could happen after your um, shot. So wanted to kind of go over with you. Again, you talked to the Ohio State doctor about it, but just wanted to see um, what we learned. Um, I thought the interesting thing was a sore arm, and, you know, that mm. happens. I don't think you can ever get away from a sore arm, but the doctor was talking about some tips you could do where it may not be as sore as it would be if you didn't do these tips. Yeah, for sure. So, um, and I'm sure since you've gotten your first dose, you know mm -hmm. this a little bit. When you go to get the shot, they tell you to relax your arm as much as possible because the needle's going into your muscle. Um, so, essentially, you want to avoid injury at all. Quite possible when you're sticking a sharp object in there. Um, so, if you yes. relax it as much as possible, um, you know you won't you won't do as much damage. Um, and then you know, kind of like you said, it seems like you know, some soreness is inevitable because you're sticking a needle in your arm. Um, so what they what the CDC recommends is taking a wet washcloth and just kind of putting it over the affected area, you know, and, and using your arm and, and exercising with it and stuff um, that can help avoid some of that long-term soreness and maybe get through a little quicker. One thing that blew me away uh, was, you know, I get up here for the first time and say, hey, right arm or left arm. And usually when I get a shot, they put it into arm and they you don't really get a choice. Have you ever heard of like, is there advice on what's the better arm to get into? Like I'm a righty. So I said, Hey, put my left arm, which was nice because yeah, it was sore, but I didn't have to type or do my physical activity. Mm -hmm. with it. What what have you heard? Should you get in the arm that you're right with or should you not? Is there any advice on that? 
I don't know that there's any general consensus on that necessarily. I, I too, I, I'm right-handed and I did my left arm just because I thought, well, you know, really sore, I can sort of not use that one as much um, since I am right-handed. Um, you know, I, I suppose if, if you consider okay. that say, if your arm is sore after the shot, you're supposed to use your arm and kind of move it and stuff, maybe it would be better to use your dominant arm. Um, but, you know, I think it's just personal reasons, really. Yeah, my wife said she used her dominant arm, but she said, well, she's going to be moving that more. So she felt mm-hmm. like her arm became less sore, but she's using that. But, yeah, you're right. It seems Could like be. kind of a personal choice. You know, I guess whatever you want to do there. Feigning, I haven't heard about that that much. Is it feigning as you get the shot, or is it feigning just saying, oh, I'm freaked out, I'm going to get the shot, so I faint? Where have you seen that? Yeah, so the Ohio State doc, told, who I talked to, told me that he saw it uh, a lot among college students. And this was mostly like an issue where, um, I, I mean, you know, being college students, being college yeah. students, um, you know, maybe roll out of bed to go get their shot at 8 a.m. They're not having something to eat or drinking any water or anything beforehand. Um, so it, it's part that and also maybe, you know, just part a little, you know, anxiousness to get the shot and whatnot. I. What do you think about this? And I'm not anti-vax or anything like that. I'm anti-needle. I just don't like needles going into my arm. And, you know, I, I got the vaccine. We need to get the vaccine. <laughs> right. everything. I asked the nurse to, to distract me because you know what's coming. I'm 46. I understand what's happening here. But I still get a little bit freaked out. Sure. Does stuff like that help, uh, you know, maybe against fainting or some I, of this other stuff? You know, I – from a personal standpoint, yeah, I mean, often I usually try to focus on something else when I'm getting a shot, too, because, you know, you just don't want to think too much about it and, and freak yourself out. So, I, you know, I'm sure there's probably some benefit to that. Maybe focus on an object across the room or something like that. Now, not watch the shot go into your arm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. If I did that, I'd be out the door. And it really wasn't a bad shot by any means. But just saying, oh, here comes yeah, the yeah. But I always hate asking that question because it's an awkward question to ask because they're doing shots all day. Sure. And they don't want to be like, hey, Max, what are you doing? Or, hey, Chris. And the nurse was nice enough to ask me general questions about my job, and I helped her out with that. I, I might even think, and I don't know if this is lawable or not, I might bring headphones in next time, listen to a podcast or a song or something. I mean, I, I don't think the nurse would care, right? Probably not. I mean, you'd have to ask, but I, I, I assume that would be allowed. Yeah, and that way I'll avoid them from making this weird small talk, which I'm sure she was like, well, who is this guy? He's old. He's not a kid or anything. So, yeah, I I may do that. That's uh, this is helping me out. Hopefully, it's helping our listeners out, but it's helping me out too. And, and you were saying sure. too, um, along with the thing, you know, uh, some of the hyperventilating and anxiety that people can get. Um, what have you found to be the best way of helping with that? Yeah, no. So, I mean, the doctor just kind of talked about, you know, especially when it comes to the hyperventilating, trying to breathe in and out through your nose. You know, and, and frankly, just try not to think too far into it. I think a lot of people are really excited and really worked up to get the shot for obvious reasons, right? We've been stuck in this sort of limbo for a year now. Um, so it feels like a really big moment when you do get that vaccine. Um, speaking for myself, you know, I've had both shots. And um, even the second one, you know, it's like you almost kind of can't believe we're here. We're at this point already. Um, now I say already because it's been a whole year, but at the same time, it's only been a year. Um, so, you know, it's just a big moment. And I think there's a lot, there's probably a lot of emotion tied up in, in it for a lot of people and, and uh, some anxiety. And that just happens. Well, and I'm thinking whoever we are, I mean, you know, I would be stunned if someone could say, well, I really haven't thought about COVID all last year. I mean, you could be a trash collector. You could be wherever you could be in life. But obviously, COVID really has affected all of our lives and everything. But, man, I, I can't imagine how this would feel because I'm in the news business. But, you know, I've done a lot of COVID stories, but we do other stories, too. You're the COVID report. That's what you cover. So <laughs> they make you feel differently because that's what you do. I mean, that's – I'm sure right. it's impacted a lot of your life personally and professionally. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mean, so I, I was lucky enough, at least to my knowledge, I never caught COVID. Um, so in, in some sense, I feel like, wow, I made it to the finish line, um, at least for now. Um, in another sense, you know, I, I've, I've still been going out and doing some reporting and stuff 
not just making phone calls and whatnot, um, which I do a lot of the time for interviews right now because of the pandemic, but I've been going into hospitals and stuff. Um, So I definitely feel a little like I have to look over my shoulder a little bit less or a little safer, more protected now that I've got, you know, both shots to go out and do that kind of reporting. So that's, that's pretty nice. (laughs) Very good. Uh, You know, lots of good tips with the article, but the one that really stuck out to me was talking about, Hey, plan for, this, uh, you know, plan for some type of a fatigue, fever, chill, or body ache. It's not going to take them all away, but if you have an uh, Tylenol or aspirin that, like the night before and water, um, like the day you get your shot, sometimes that helps you the second day. I, I thought that was really interesting too. Yeah, yeah. So the doctor I talked to said, you know, when you go to bed that night, um, even if you're feeling fine after getting your second shot, uh, you know, put some Tylenol or some, you know, Advil on your, on your bedside table with a glass of water. That way, if you do wake up in the middle of the night or when you wake up the next morning, if you're not feeling so hot, you know, you've kind of got everything you need already. Um, because those are the, you know, for fever, chills, uh, body aches and whatnot. Those are the, the kinds of things that are going to help you through it. Okay. So I don't want to take that before I get that right. Like, like, no, like, yeah, you should. It, there's no need to take it preventatively, but it's, if if you start having any symptoms or anything, yeah, okay, you should. But, ha- take but have it right by you that we don't have to stumble across the house in the middle of the night looking for stuff. Right, it's yeah. there. Right, okay, okay, very good. And remember, like you said, you don't want to do it preventively, and that's after you get the shot, not the day before you get the shot. Uh, after you get the right. shot, have it ready, and that way, if you feel that you can oh. you know, take it right away. All right. Well, good. I appreciate that clarification. That helps. Definitely. Um, you also talk about allergic reactions. Um, yeah, read the story. We'll have a link with the podcast. Important to know. I, I know they ask you before you get the vaccine, do you have any allergic reactions? But your article does a good job of pinpointing a couple of specific ones that people might have it reacted to. So just to let people know. Yeah, for sure. There's there's a couple chemicals in each of these, um, each of the three vaccines that have been approved in the U.S. right now. Although, obviously, um, you know, if you're planning to get a shot uh, while listening to this podcast, you probably won't be getting the Johnson and Johnson one right now because it's paused in the U.S. Um, there's a couple uh, pretty common chemicals that are found in some of these shots. Uh, most people who have some sort of allergy to one of them already know it by now because they're found in a bunch of other products. You know, I think one. Of, I think the one found in the Johnson and Johnson shot is also found in a lot of ice creams. I think um, the one that's in the mRNA vaccine from Pfizer and Moderna uh, is found in some laxatives and and, and whatnot. So, the odds are you've probably come across these before and would know if you, you know, are allergic. I mean, just in case, even if you're not, you know, doctors at pretty much all vaccination sites are supposed to have, you know, epipens ready to inject people if need be, or even just you know, some doses of Benadryl um, that they can give to people who might have some mild reactions. And here's the other thing that surprised me. My wife, being a teacher guy uh, before I did, mm-hmm. I literally woke up the morning of the first dose and I was asking her, saying, man, should I have fasted? Because sometimes, like, you get a shot that you have to get a fast for. They're saying, hey, you can eat beforehand, and it's good to do this on full stomach and be hydrated. I, I thought that was interesting. I wouldn't have thought about that otherwise. Yeah, no, I mean, the doc, the doctor I talked to for, at Ohio State said, you know, definitely make sure you have something to eat um, and, and drink plenty of fluids beforehand. And I think that can contribute to, you know, avoiding things like fainting and whatnot. Um, yeah. So you know, definitely go in with a full stomach if you can. All right. So I got your word and I'll show my wife and I, I can pig out, <laughs> go to McDonald's drive-thru on the way up. and uh, have There you go. Because <laughs> yeah. I literally didn't eat that much and I didn't have a bad reaction. I just, I was hungry. I, I wanted to get something as soon as I got that done. That'll be good. Yeah, I, uh, you were lucky. I think you said you got yours in Columbus. I couldn't find one right away. I didn't want to uh, spend a lot of time looking, so I ended up driving up to Mansfield. So I had a little bit of a drive. Oh, okay. Away. Well, I actually I actually ended up driving over to Dayton for mine, actually. Oh, okay. Um, All right. So I, I got mine at the Dayton Convention Center. I, but I, okay. I sort of had a strategy, one that was opening up to um, – uh, the broader public. I'm, I'm 30 years old, so I didn't qualify yeah. until it kind of started opening up to everybody under 40. Um, and I just, you know, uh, was setting alerts for different Twitter pages for different health departments and stuff, because by that point I was like, all right, you know, I'm ready. 
get put it in my arm so I could, you know, start to get back to some semblance of a normal life. And, and like I said, also be able to go out and do my job and, you know, not have to worry as quite as much as I previously did. We, we should have had, um, I don't know if I told you guys, but we had um, Dan Tierney on the uh, spokesman for uh, Governor DeWine. And we tried to have mm. fun because, you know, the COVID press conference has always been interesting over the past year and everything. And I was joking with him saying, Dan, I walked in. It was like Monday around the time of the typical DeWine press conference. I said I was expecting to see a TV camera there. I was expecting to have my vaccine live on a DeWine press conference. And he joked, and obviously I wasn't expecting that. But he was saying some people actually want that for either the publicity or because they think it might help the cause. You know, like if maybe hmm. it's a person of color, you know, saying, hey, you know, if I get the vaccine, maybe encourage some fellow people to get the vaccine all. I mean, what better person could they pick, though, than Max? I mean, you know, obviously, in journalism, <laughs> we don't want to be the story, we we'll be behind the story, but we could say, hey, the COVID report for the Columbus Dispatch has it. So, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean for sure. Yeah, it would have been awkward because, you know, we can't be the story. Right, right. No, well, you yeah, know, I definitely... I definitely proudly tweeted out like a photo of myself getting the shot. So, you know, it's exciting. It's, you know, it feels like history. In a sense. So it's just cool to be part of that, whether it be covering that or, or you know, be getting, taking the jab yourself. So. Yeah. I didn't feel, a t- I, I was thinking I would feel some more emotion. I didn't really feel that emotion, but yeah, I was quick to post something to Facebook and Twitter. Just, you know, Hey, if it encourages one person that follows me, why not? You know, I think, sure. I think it's a good sure. too. So. All right. Well, what do you have upcoming? Uh, anything you can talk about that you're working on? Sure. So I'm um, working on a couple stories right now, um, kind of trying to dive into the issue of hesitancy uh, around mm-hmm. the vaccines in Ohio. Um, you know, we're get, we're starting to get to a point probably within the next couple of weeks where there's, you know, quite possibly going to be more shots um, available than people who want to get them, especially if that J&J one comes back online. Um then separately, I'm also working on something looking at sort of the anxieties and stress re-entering, you know, the world uh, post-pandemic. Um, so I'm talking to um, some a counselor and then somebody who teaches meditation and stuff on how, you know, people can sort of deal with some of those stresses and stuff that they haven't dealt with in about a year. Have you heard, um, I don't know if you saw this, our, our sister paper up in Akron, they had a story about one guy that actually was... Um, vaccinated you know he got both vaccines um he had some health trouble and he had covid and he actually had to go back to hospital mm-hmm. now he has a lot of health issues i mean it wasn't like he was a totally healthy person beforehand um has that been a concern i know dewine was talking about that last week on his press conference it seems like the number of those people that have had that have been very slim and been more defined by people with health issues. Is that what you're hearing? Yeah. I mean, so the, the, what they call these kinds of infections are breakthrough infections. Um, yeah. You know, the vaccines aren't 100% effective. The Pfizer and Moderna are about um, 94, 95% effective. If I recall correctly, the Johnson and Johnson one was around 70, 72%, something like that. Um, so you're definitely going to have, even after people are vaccinated, you're going to have some of these people who have gotten the shots um, still come down with COVID-19. But the goal is that because they've been vaccinated, um, you know, they might not require hospitalization, hopefully, um, and, and very likely, you know, won't, it won't get anywhere close to death. Um, yeah. But yeah, the idea is to basically turn COVID-19 into something more like, you know, you know, like a shark attack or, you know, a car accident or something, you know, make it make the deaths and hospitalizations from it far fewer than, than we were seeing, especially during our winter surge. It's important story for us to cover, but it's also important for the public to understand the context of it. Just to for say, sure. oh, no, this guy got sick, you know, no, this should get the vaccine. The numbers, it's very low. And even, I think I sure. heard the one, 154, but think about the probably millions of right. vaccines that went already, and 154 is a really relatively low number. Well, Max, thank right. you so and much. I mean, in, in Ohio, in Ohio, even you know, we've vaccinated over four million people already, and, and there's yeah. been very few cases of those breakthrough infections. So, yeah, 154 out of four million, especially when it's people that have severe health issues, which we've heard since COVID's first started. I, I think those right. are really well. So, 
All right, well, Max, as always, thanks for your time. I want to make sure you get back to your work uh, today. Remind us, how do we follow you on Twitter if we haven't already? Yeah, it's just at Max Felby. And then is it, it also remind us of your sub stack because I know you're putting out health yeah. stories each week. Yeah, so I have a newsletter called The Curve. Um, it's on Substack. Um, if you just search the curve, it should pop right up. But yeah, I curate um, COVID-19 pandemic and health news into a newsletter usually once or twice a week. Um, so definitely take a look at that. Fantastic. And we'll put those links on there too. So if you don't want to search, you can just click on the link and get right there. Well, as always, Max, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, have a great day. And uh, thanks for checking out the Highland. Absolutely. Thanks. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We're hoping to interview some uh, high impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.